Hey there, everyone. It's Sinead Greaves. You might know me as Nay. I'm excited to be back at the Flames this season. Really looking forward to it. Tune in with Shooting the Breeze podcast Friday from 4pm for all of the latest news in the Flames world. Joining us today on Shooting the Breeze, it's Sinead Greaves. Returning for another season with the Brydon's Lawyers Sydney Uni Flames. Sinead, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. I think we should start off just by finding out a little bit about how you got into basketball. Yeah, sure. It's funny, I was actually talking to mum about this the other day. I sort of said to her, you know, what I knew that she had played basketball before, you know, when she was younger. And I was sort of like, did you push me to play basketball? Like when I was younger, how did I even get into this? So I have recently had this conversation. As it turns out, I just, you know, some of my friends at primary school were playing, so I didn't want to miss out on the fun. So I, I jumped on board with them. Yeah. And, and it just took off from there. I was tall as a kid. So um, that definitely helped in terms of being good at the sport, as opposed to when I tried out dancing, which didn't work out so well for me. Um, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Hang on. A second you tried dancing it didn't turn out so well <laughs> yeah that wasn't great I have always enjoyed dancing and I did it when I was younger um, and again some of my primary school friends were, were quite into dancing so I again didn't want to miss out on the fun so I joined in for a term of dancing and I was just that big tall awkward kid at the back of the stage who'd forgotten all the moves and was having a good time but you know it wasn't the career for me. I think having seen some of the effort that goes into dancing, I think basketball is definitely a, a good way to go. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that my mum appreciated that too, not having to deal with all the costumes and things. So <laughs> she'd be happy. So, Shanae, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your career. You achieved quite a bit before you actually got into the WNBL. Can you yeah. just sort of give us a bit of a background into that? Oh, I don't know if I achieved quite a bit. I've definitely been playing for a fair while. So, yeah, I mean, I probably didn't start playing representative basketball until um, under 16s, I think, with the Knox Raiders um, back home in Melbourne. And so, yeah, I played there my entire life or entire junior career and transitioned. I was really lucky that my junior club had a Siebel team. So I played Siebel for the Knox Raiders Well, when it was called Siebel, what is now NBL1. Played with them for quite a while. I don't know how many years it was in total, but a long time and managed to win a championship with them, which was really, really special. And how was that? And I mean, you know, early in your career, winning a championship for, for a competition like Siebel. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was awesome. I still have some really close friends um, from my from my years at Knox. It, it was really special. I think in the sense that I got to win the championship with a lot of my close friends who had been playing with for years and years. So that in itself was really cool. But also, I think I was quite young to have won a Siebel championship. I probably would have only been twenty one at the time. So that was awesome. And and also we had missed out for a few years. I think the year before that we'd lost in the championship game from memory. I think it was Dandenong rivals at the time. So yeah. It it was really special to, you know, we missed out a couple of times and then we eventually got there and it was, yeah, quite a celebration. It was a lot of fun to, to play with that team and, yeah, that'll be always be some of my fondest memories, that team. You ended up coming into the WNBL with the Boomers and you spent a few, couple of seasons there. What was it like moving from Siebel to WNBL? How did you find the difference in the level of play and the competitiveness? It was always like a dream of mine to play in the WNBL. So it was always something that I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to achieve. But when there was development player tryouts for the Melbourne Boomers, when they changed over from Bulleen to Melbourne, so they held these development player tryouts. I sort of was like, nah, I'm not good enough to try out. I'm not going to go. And just sense checked that with 
my coach at the time, who was actually Cheryl. She was coaching our Knox Raiders team at the time, and she was the assistant for Northern Boomers, and she was like, well, give it a crack. Like, why not just come along and, and give it a go and see what happens? You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is, well, you, you don't make it. That's fine. You know, at least you gave it a go. So I did. I went over to the development player tryouts and somehow got myself a spot in the team as a training player, which was such a fantastic experience. And, yeah, the difference from Stable to WNBL was crazy, just a lot more. A lot more physical and a lot faster, which I don't think I was particularly ready for, but that's the beauty of being a training player, that you sort of get the experience and there's not too much pressure on you, which was cool. And after a few seasons at the Boomers, you came to Sydney with Cheryl in her first season as (laughs) as head coach. That was a big move. How did you find that? That was, and it all happened very quickly for me. I think I had thought to myself, oh, I'm just not going to play WNBL anymore. I was just going to focus on studying. And then Cheryl was moving up to Sydney to be head coach, and I really admire her. I really loved her as a Siebel coach and as the assistant at Melbourne. And so in the space of, I reckon it was a month, I kind of went from I'm not going to play anymore to I'm moving to Sydney, which was big and scary at the time because I was still living at home and didn't really know what I was doing and moved into student accommodation at Sydney Uni, which again was an experience in itself, but I survived and here I am four years later. So it obviously turned out well. It did. Sorry, I want to chase this one down a little bit. Yeah. Student accommodation was an experience in itself. What does that mean? (laughs) That means you're sharing a house, a tiny little shoebox of a room in an apartment with I know five other people. It was just disgusting. It was just very unclean. It was exactly what you imagine student accommodation to be. And to be honest with you, there was one guy who I lived with who I saw one time in the total of, I don't know, four or five months that I was living there. I never saw him. He never left his room. But yeah, you just come across some interesting characters and it's, yeah, classic, like I said, exactly what you imagine student accommodation to be like. I like I like the use of the word interesting. That's, that's interesting. really cool. <laughs> you roll up to Sydney, you end up in interesting accommodation, and first season out, bang, grand final. What was going through your head when you kind of sort of stopped for a second and realised we were in the grand final? Yeah, that was wild. That was so much fun. Such a whirlwind season. Again, I think really special because that was such a fun year with a bunch of like close friends. So quite good friends with Sarah Graham and, and bonded quite well with Lauren Nicholson at the time as well. So it was a lot of fun. It was a fun season. I don't know. I guess we didn't have huge expectations of ourselves to win, but I guess we always believed that we could do it. You know, one win at a time, we managed to make our way there. And I think we definitely we definitely had the talent to do it. I think we had the belief in ourselves. It was awesome. It was, it was so much fun. It was pretty surreal at the time. And it was cool to be able to win that back in Melbourne where I had a lot of family and friends who were able to come and watch that as well. So that, that was fun too. That was actually quite an, quite an amazing game to watch at Dandenong, you know, taking over the, the top floor of the hotel, including disturbing a few non-Flames guests that were, that were staying there that night. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the um, Quest in Dandenong, I think it was. They were yeah. fantastic. They were really, really great with us partying into the early hours, which is great. It's funny, though. We did disturb some people, but I do vaguely remember my dad making friends with people who were staying on that floor of the hotel who we, no one knew them, but they just came in to join our party. I remember that. I think there was a couple that came in. First of all, they started off to see what's going on, and then they just joined the party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can't sleep, you may as well join in. Absolutely. You mentioned, Sarah, now I want to play you a short piece, then I want to talk to you about it. It was a special group, and everyone knew what role to play and just one of those nice mixes of people and and coaching staff that 
only come around every so often. Um, so, yeah, really special memory and something I'm bloody glad to have been a part of. And, and you had um, your partner in laughs there as well. <laughs> yes. Yes, she, she was there. I'm assuming you're talking about Shanae. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, she, and she's one of those players that I'm talking about, just happy to play that role for, you know, genuinely happy to play a role that's needed of them, not trying to get what they want to get out of it. For everybody who was, like, observing the team during that season, the one thing that really came across was the chemistry between you two. You guys were, like, <laughs> always joking, always having a good time, and I think that also would have helped the, the atmosphere with the team as well. Oh, they wouldn't have won without us, Paul. Really, <laughs> just say it. No, um, <laughs> yeah, and I know it's silly, but I think we, and that was, I guess, for us through that season, and and then every other season after that, we, I think, we took a lot of pride in just trying to keep it light-hearted. Like we had a really funny group anyway, but I think that was something the two of us knew we could always do. And listening to Sarah say that about that first year, what do you think about the comments that she made there? Yeah, I, I, I'm really going to miss her this year. She's a lot of fun, I think. I'm not a particularly funny person, but when we're together, we just bounce off each other. Like, you can't stop us. There's no there's no stopping. We'll get on a tangent and you just can't stop us giggling. So it's funny. We call ourselves instant culture. We like to think that we add a bit of culture and fun to the team, which, I mean, it's funny to joke about, but at the same time, I think it's also an important part of a team. Like, you know, having a laugh and being able to lighten the mood when things aren't going your way or you know when the team might be in a rough patch it's it's nice to have those people in the team I suppose so it is funny in a way but at the same time I do value those people in the teams that I've been in so I think um you know sharpshooter and everything brilliant career what a veteran but also such a big part of Sarah Graham's career would have been yeah the culture that she brings to the team because she's just such a brilliant person so approachable yeah always able to lighten the mood and like I said I'm really going to miss her this year it'll be very very different without her when you're playing particularly when you're playing under the basket it's really tough down there what goes through your head when you're being really challenged by other players down there and how do you approach playing under there I do enjoy a bit of a challenge I suppose maybe <laughs> maybe at the offensive end it's a little bit daunting you know if you're right stuck underneath the basket and, you, and you're trying to make a shot you know it gets pretty hectic in there but I suppose at the other end of the court the, like playing defense I do enjoy the challenge of matching up on some of the bigger bodies on the opposite team and just kind of I guess niggling them a bit and yeah just getting out there and trying to do those little kind of hustle things that, that get the team going a bit I suppose when I'm on the court I don't think about so much the pressure of it but I'm <laughs> really just focusing on you know trying to bring a bit of energy to the team and probably yeah. working on my fitness a bit too. Because <laughs> I know when we're shooting games, particularly shooting with camera that's under the basket, it's tough down there. And I think it's actually a lot tougher than people realise, particularly when you're sort of stepping up to people like Mariana Tolo or Liz Cambage. I've seen some of that body banging going on down there and it's pretty <laughs> amazing. I, I, sometimes yeah. I wonder how you guys keep at it for an entire game. 
Yeah, it is. It's a different kind of fitness. It's funny, you know, if, if you're doing drills at training and you do some post work and you get the guards to join in, I think, you know, if they haven't played much in the post before, it's a bit of a shock to them that it is just a different kind of fitness. It's not just running wind sprints and, you know, running the lanes as fast as you can. It is a lot of that kind of, you get bashed up a fair bit and you, you've got to stay strong and give it back to your opponent. So it is, I always say that it's a different kind of fitness because, yeah, it's not so much about how fast you can run, but it's maybe maintaining that strength in there and continuously being beaten up but again like I said I enjoy that kind of challenge and I yeah I find it to be a bit of fun so it's what I enjoy doing more so than running wind sprints so you know it suits me what interests me is that particularly last season where you know Frog joined the team there's been a whole new dynamic for someone who's who's been with the team for as long as you have how did you find the dynamic change and how did you find the differences in the team and and how the team approaches the game well you're making me sound old there when you say being with the team as long as I have I am starting to feel a little bit older it was interesting I think we always knew that it was probably going to be a bit difficult bouncing back from the season beforehand but I think everyone was pretty excited for almost a fresh start with a new coach and a few new players. And, you know, we probably didn't have the season that we wanted to, but the approach from the team, I think that we never really gave up. We we competed pretty hard at training when we could, you know, again, with that whole injury curse thing, we couldn't always get the, dra- the training sessions that we wanted to. But when we did, it was quite competitive at training, which I, I really enjoyed. It was really good trajectory for the team from the start of the season through till the end. There was a lot of real positive signs, I think. Oh, 100%. It was. It was really good. And I think there was an opportunity there for a lot of the younger players to step up. Like Maddie O'Hare did amazingly last season. Um, Kitty Henderson, I don't know how often she was actually able to hit the court, but when she did, she did really well. And at training, she really took it to the rest of the team. So it, it was really cool to have those players step up a bit. And you're right, I think we, we did manage to bounce back from the season before in terms of, again, we did have some injuries. But when we did have a full team and when we were playing at our best, it was it was exciting basketball to watch. It, it absolutely was. It was great to watch. There's some really amazing games. It was a really good reset for the team. I just want to step back to something that you, you mentioned earlier about moving to Sydney. Now that you've been in Sydney for a few years, how are you finding living in Sydney? Well, if I'm honest with you, when I first moved to Sydney, I thought to myself, I'll give it a crack and be a bit of fun and a bit of an adventure for six months, you know, for the for the duration of the season and, and then I'll go from there. But I really thought that I wouldn't be here long term. But now I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I didn't move here. I, I love it in Sydney. I'm a real beach person and you don't get a lot of beaches in Melbourne. I know that there's a bit of a debate between what's better, Melbourne or Sydney, but for the time being, I think it's pretty obvious, having been here for four years, that I'm, I'm really, really enjoying Sydney. I've, I've got a full-time job now. I met my boyfriend in Sydney, made some really good friends in Sydney and, and I love playing for the Flames. So I guess as much as my mum wouldn't want to hear it and my friends in Melbourne wouldn't want to hear it, I don't really plan on moving back home anytime soon as much as I do love Melbourne. But Sydney is such a great place. There's just so much to do here outside of basketball as well. So, yeah, I love it. What are the areas that you visited and you've seen that you really, really like? I mean, like I said, the, the beaches. I've I've lived sort of in the north of Sydney, so up there, like freshwater, I absolutely love. I think Manly is a really cool place. But at the moment now, I'm living further to the east, so I, I just don't think there... 
are a lot of places in Australia that you'll get that look like the east coast of, of Sydney with all of the beaches along there and the little inlets and stuff. I think that's probably the biggest appeal to me would be the scenery here. And I know that it's not necessarily part of Sydney, but I spend a lot of time down on the south coast of New South Wales, so in Jarvis Bay, which is just an incredible part of the world. And yeah, I'm really lucky to be able to go down there as often as I do. That is another huge appeal to me for New South Wales over Victoria. Are there any pubs or restaurants that you'd want to recommend? A huge one to start off with, and, you know, I think mostly because we, we've just been reminiscing about Sarah Graham, but we did like to frequent the Royal Hotel, which is just behind the stadium at Sydney Uni. The food is great. They've got some really good specials, and it was a cool place for us to unwind sometimes after training or after a game. So that's one of my recommendations. There's a couple of really cool pubs here in Paddington that I enjoy going to. Actually, one of our sponsors, the Banksia Hotel, it's a little bit out of sort of you know, the city as such, but they've got some incredible food. And so that place is really cool. Sarah used to live near there, so we've been there quite a few times. Not that hard to get to and lots of parking, which is always a big thing. Yeah, for sure. Really cool place. Kind of surprised that I'd never really heard of it before because the food there is just outrageous and they've been really good for the team in terms of putting on a few events for us. Really grateful for the team there at Banksia Hotel. They're awesome. You said you've, you know, you've got a full-time job now. Obviously, one of the challenges for a lot of players is having to balance work and playing. How do you find doing that? It's been a, a constant battle for me, I guess. Last season was the first season that I was working full-time. Before that, I'd been working just sort of casual shifts that were really good at working around the basketball schedule. So, yeah, transitioning to working full-time was actually quite difficult. At the end of last season, I was just exhausted so it's been really great to have open and honest conversations with frog just about you know hey this is my schedule at the moment or this is when i need to be at work and hey sorry i'm going to be late to training or late to the video session before training and she's been really good about that as long as i'm you know upfront and honest about it and, and tell her in advance so it was a real struggle kind of waking up really early to get to work early 7 or 7 30 because I had to leave early to get to training and then also struggling to slot in time for gym sessions as well because I was missing out on those team sessions in the morning so it did take a lot of juggling and I was quite lucky to have the support of my partner he was really good about it too and yeah I don't know I, I somehow managed to make it through and I'm crazy enough to sign up again to um, do the same thing all over again I'm excited about it it's kind of nice to have that balance between between two things in life that I, I really enjoy and it gives you a bit of perspective as well, which is cool. How does your work, do they support you as much as they can, obviously, with your playing career? So I work for New South Well, an agency that's part of New South Wales Health, and they have been really, really incredible in supporting me where possible. I guess, you know, there have been times where they're like, hey, you really need to be at this team meeting. They're really quite advanced and, I guess, flexible with working hours and things in terms of letting me, yeah, start early and finish early and, and take time off when I need to if we're travelling and that sort of thing. So I think if I didn't have a workplace that was that supportive, then it wouldn't be possible. So I'm really lucky in that sense that they are really supportive so that's that's awesome now that the flames and the kings are under the same ownership group from your perspective as a player what do you think is going to be the positives in terms of team and fan engagement now that it's part of a larger organization 
Oh, I think it'd be incredible. I guess like even just the couple of games that we've had over the years when we've been able to play out at Kudos before the Kings has, has been awesome. You know, you, you get a fair few people there watching and you get sort of to piggyback on their social media and, and all of their entertainment that happened during their games. You know, we've managed to get Flickr out there and do some collabing with um, the Lion. Don't diss the Lion. Oh, not missing the line. Although, if I had to pick somebody to win a fight between the line and Flicker, I reckon Flicker would probably win. Um, we got a great match. <laughs> I am biased. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it'd be awesome. I think you know nothing but positive things can come from this. In just joining forces, and you've got extra contacts there. You know, we'll get to have discussions with the team there that they have at the Kings. So yeah, I think only positive things will come from this, and hopefully, we can gain a bit of a bigger fan base from that. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great for, for New South Wales basketball. Do you remember what it was like the first time you walked out into the Kudos Bank Arena for a game? I don't know if I can remember the, the very first time, but I, every time I go there, I'm just like, wow, this place is huge. Like, you know, I, I thought, I guess, playing, you know, in a WNBL championship or in the Siebel championship, you get a, a quite a big crowd, but Kudos is just massive. Um, and you really feel like you're kind of on a stage. Like it's quite a cool setup and all of the lights and, and like I said, the entertainment that goes on and it's just a whole big show. So it's cool for the people watching and it's a real experience in itself for us. Sometimes you've got to kind of refocus yourself and remember to focus on the game and not so much on everything else that's going on around you because <laughs> it's very distracting. But yeah, it's also awesome. it's such a cool atmosphere. I really thrive on that, like when there's a good atmosphere and, and lots of people around and the music and lights and all of that. That really suits me. So I love it. Can't yeah. wait to do more of it. Can't wait for the first game at Kudos Bank Arena. I think it's going to be mm. really amazing. Now, one of the things that you did mention, you know, when you were studying, what were you studying? Oh, God, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> No, not really. So I initially was studying occupational therapy when I was in Melbourne, which I love. I would have loved to have finished it, to be honest, but I was uh, in my fourth year of that. So it's a four-year course. I was in my fourth year of that when I moved to Sydney. And unfortunately, just in the way that different unis run that course, it's quite niche. It's not too generic. So the way that they run the course, I just wasn't able to transfer my final year. I essentially got this thing called a Bachelor of Human Science. So I like to refer to myself as a human scientist, even though that is absolutely not true. That that is the degree that I have officially. But yeah, essentially that was three years of studying occupational therapy and then not being able to finish the course. So I kind of have always toyed with the idea of going back to maybe do a master's of OT or social work or public health or something. But I'm also really enjoying the job that I'm doing at the moment. We'll just see where it goes. Go with the flow. What part of New South Wales Health are you actually involved with? So I'm part of one of the many agencies under New South Wales Health that's called HealthShare. So we have about 8,000 employees. And, you know, that is a perfect example of kind of like a small agency within wow. New South Wales Health. 8,000. Jeez, <laughs> um, that's huge. Yeah, it is. It's massive. So my job within that, I'm called a diversity project officer. I guess I do a lot of work in the disability employment space, just working on strategies for our organisation and how we can employ more people with a disability, as well as people from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background, culturally and linguistically diverse, veterans, people who are carers for people with a disability. So all, all those kind of groups that come under diversity is, is kind of what I work on, which is really, really cool. Never really recognised that that job existed. So I'm really grateful that I've fallen into that space because I love it. 
it's a really wide remit there. You've got to touch base with a whole lot of different types of groups and community groups, obviously. Mm. Do you find that that's quite challenging for you just because of the wide variety of people that you've got to deal with? It's a wide variety and I guess something that we talk about all the time at work is that there's so much diversity within diversity so it's not like you can just put people in a box and say that they are one particular group because everybody's different in their own right so it is it is really challenging but it's also a lot of fun and I guess the way that society is going at the moment there's a there's a lot more focus on how we can be more diverse and more accepting of each other it's nice that a role like mine even does exist to cater to those sort of groups and that we're acknowledging that work needs to be done in those areas so yeah it is it's challenging but it's a good challenge what do you find is probably the most satisfying part of your role at New South Wales Health? That's a really good question. I guess, I mean, like we just said, it is a really challenging role. So there's lots that doesn't go right or lots that, you know, you don't get the support that you need or you, you can't get something approved that you want to get approved. You can't go ahead with different initiatives. But when, you know, even just one thing does go right and you see the different that it makes to the people that you're working with, well, that's super fulfilling. So to know that you're just like making a difference even to just one or two people is really cool. And I guess that's a little bit cliche, but that's kind of what keeps you going because you know that you are making a difference to people. That's one of the major reasons that I, I love my job. I love what I do. Do you find that the mental attitude that you take into playing competitively at national level also helps you with the resilience that you need when you are trying to get through the organisation to get a program or to get something that you want to get done approved and, and through. Do you, do you find that that's, it helps you to, to try and achieve more in that space? Yeah, I definitely think, and I've probably only realised this in the past few years, I think that experience in, in playing sport or really any extracurricular activity, I think it's so underrated as like a personal sort of like life skill. It's not necessarily all about academics and what you learn by books or at uni or whatever, but it really is about your life experience and your ability to sort of apply that to what you do. So I think that sport has definitely given me a lot of skills in terms of communication and, and definitely resilience is huge. I think there's a lot of people who, who learn that the hard way in the workforce, that things aren't always going to go their way. So I've learned that from a very young age that, yeah, with sport that, you know, you've really sort of got to just persevere and, like we said before, bounce back from those kind of difficult situations and learn from that and apply it to, you know, whatever next challenge comes up. So I just, I really do think that it's such an underrated thing that, you know, if that's on somebody's resume, I think that that's a really huge attribute to people who are able to juggle life and any kind of extracurricular activity, but definitely sport for me. It's really interesting to hear that because I think there's stuff that you learn from sport that you can take into a workplace environment that really helps to make the workplace environment easier to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Um, even when you're answering sort of interview questions when you go for a job, you know, kind of initially was thinking to myself, oh, I guess I don't really have that much experience in terms of, you know, if they're asking about conflict or, or communication skills and that sort of thing and leadership skills and whatever. But if you use an example from your sporting career, it's ridiculous how many skills you kind of pick up along the way just from being part of a team, learning how to collaborate with other people, learning how to be a leader or to use your, your voice more or to deal with difficult situations. So I think there's a lot of examples that you can take from sport that can really be applied to the workplace to showcase your capabilities. I'm going to ask you one last question before we go. What is the one thing 
that you would like fans to know about you that they don't know about you? Oh, interesting. One thing that they don't know about me. I'm a pretty open book, if I'm honest with you. Drawn a blank here. Okay, I'll, I'll throw you a different question then. <laughs> Who is the one movie character that you most associate yourself with? <laughs> that I most associate myself with? Like, which movie character do you think is most like you? Look, at a, at a quick glance, without thinking about it too much, my favourite movie or series of movies would be Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series. So I guess thinking about that, I um, I would absolutely be Ron Weasley if I was in Harry Potter. I think sometimes funny, sometimes, you know, a bit of a dork. I would like to think that I would be Ron Weasley. I don't know if my friends would agree with that, but I'd like to think that I would be. I love those movies. They're great movies, but of all the characters in that, in that series, Ron Weasley is probably the last one that I would have picked. No! Yeah, Who would absolutely. you pick me as then? I don't know. I actually think that you could pretend maybe Cho. Oh, you know, she had Because, uh, you know, she had a bit of spunk. You know, she stood up for what she wanted to say. You know, I'm I just—I don't think I'm one of you know the the side characters. I want to be one of the main characters. Oh, you want to be? The main I want to be in the spotlight. That's why I'm Ron Weasley. Fair enough. Okay. I, 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 okay. That, that's fine. I, I get that. That's my justification. That's your justification. Hey, that works. Just as we're wrapping up, obviously we're all kind of wondering what's going to happen with the season this year. Do you have any idea when training's going to start hitting its straps and when that sort of thing is going to start moving? If everything went as it should, I think we're meant to start training at the start of September. So still a little while away. It's nice that in the meantime that Waratah League is actually about to start up. So that's something to sort of keep us fit in the meantime. And, you know, just really, really hoping that that does go ahead and that it doesn't get cancelled after a game or two, given the current situation. But, um, yeah, I think that'll give us a little bit of a taste for it and then back into pre-season training at the start of September, which will be really good to get a good chunk of pre-season and not the usual sort of three or four weeks that we would usually get in between seasons. So it'll be cool to have an actual pre-season and, and get to bond with the girls and get a bit of bit of fitness up in that time. Absolutely. Shanae, mm. it's been great talking to you. Can't wait to see you back on the floor this season for the Flames. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been a bit of fun. It has. And so I'm thanks. sure we'll be able to catch up later in the season and just uh, get some feedback on how things are going. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. 